0: I can't tell you how excited I am about uh, the fact that we as a church want to come together and pray. Pray as a church and pray for the church. Pray that we would grow in maturity. Pray that our hearts would be linked and gripped by God's grace and that our eyes would be caught up with the divine. And that our lives would be lived in a way that it meets the pur- purpose for which it's designed and, and the fact that we've been redeemed. Why? Why have we been redeemed? There's a purpose. And I, I pray that as a church, as we come together, that this would be the truth of our, uh, of our church. That we would be known as a church that prays. Uh, in the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 21, he says that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And that we would be called a church that prays. You see, when you read Acts, you get excited about this because Acts, the church is praying. The first century church prays. Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. We start to see the 120 people have come together. They've been praying. They pray for 10 days. And as they pray on the 10th day is the day of the Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is given to them. You get a chapter 4. We read about Peter and John. They've just come back. They've they've been threatened by the Sanhedrin. And as they come and tell of what the Sanhedrin has said, the church prays. And in chapter 4, we read that the place was shaken up. You get to chapter 6. In chapter 6, the church prays uh, so that they can choose seven men for what? So that they can serve. And serve what? tables but they're praying as a church you get a chapter 12 james has just been martyred peter is imprisoned and we read there that the church prayed fervently and because the church prayed fervently peter was released from the prison you get a chapter 13 we see that the church is praying and fasting and praying, and as they fast and pray, the Holy Spirit calls Paul and Barnabas, and there it begins the first missionary journey, a church that prays. I I have a quote here by Hudson Taylor. He says, since the days of Pentecost, has the whole, has the whole church ever put aside every other work and waited upon him for ten days that the spirit's power might be manifested. We give too much attention to method and machinery and resources and too little to the power, the source of the power. There was this article that appeared on the Daily Bread. It's called the Spurgeon's Boiler Room. Five young men had come together to, to hear Spurgeon speak. They've heard so much about him, and as they're uh, seated waiting for the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, the session to begin, uh, there's this man who obviously works at the church. He came up to him and says, like, you've come, would you like to see this place? Because the, uh, the uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle in London was a building to behold, about 10,000 people could sit And so this man said, would you like to see the boiler room? So these young men were like, really, no, because it's July and it's hot. But they didn't want to offend him, so they said, all right, let's do that. And so as they walk, this man takes them down the stair and gently opens the door. And in that room, there are 700 people praying for that session that's about to begin. And as he closes the door, he says, hi, I'm Spurgeon, and that's my boiler room. It's a church that prayed. A church that prayed. And so as we start to look at Paul's prayers, what excites me about Paul is the fact that he prayed for churches. You, You are not able to read a single episode that he has written without him praying for that church. Let me give you some examples. Um, Romans chapter one, verse eight. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the earth, in all the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that is given you in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians 1 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, and I want you to get this. These are the passages that I read where he's both both thankful and praising God for that church, and he doesn't do that for every other church, unfortunately. What that establishes in my heart is that it's not just a perfunctory greeting that Paul is giving to, to every church, but it's, that it's genuine, that he's really saying that these churches uh, he is thankful to God about. And I'm saying to myself, this ought to be said about us at New Life Bible Chapel, that we are a church that, we, that is about prayer. We've come together to pray that we would mature mature and Ephesian church is one of that and so from the passage that we looked at if you will turn with me to Ephesians chapter one I'm gonna read first verse sixteen. In fact I'm gonna have one of you read that Ephesians chapter one verse sixteen if one of you can read that that'll be great. Ephesians one sixteen So he says he does not cease to give thanks. And the, the reason then you ask us like why, you have to go to that verse before if you'd like to read verse 15 too. It tells you the reason there. Verse 15. Therefore I, also I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the same. All right the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love for all the saints. Okay, in other words, this is what it is. This upward relationship of trust with God and this outward relationship of love for the saints. If there's anything that you're going to take away today, I want you to take this uh, take this with you that this is about the upward relationship of trust with God and the outward relationship of love for the saints because unless we love the saints in this community, there's no way we can say that we will love the lost or love even our enemies. And so I want you to be confident in this one thing about ourselves. Because this is the basis on which he's trying to pray. This is what's spurring Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. The fact that they have this upward trust for God and the outward love for all the saints. And so Paul bursts out into a prayer. And I want you to understand, he, he's not praying for himself. He's not like, you know, really, listen, I'm in, a, I'm in a Roman prison. I need help. That's not what it is. There's something beyond his circumstance and his situation that's catching his attention about this fact, this upward relationship of trust and the outward relationship of love and so see what he what he says and i'm going to read from verse 15 i know we read that but our objective today is this okay the two objectives one is so that we would catch the passion of prayer uh, of paul for praying for the church the paul's passion as he prayers for the church and second that we would understand what is it that he is praying so that we can likewise pray so we can learn from Paul, uh, praying, Paul, uh, praying. You know, which are beyond our temporal needs, but those that are anchored on the divine. Let me read this as a quote from uh, Lawrence Richards. He 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 writes: I suppose that it's all right to pray for that addition to a new Sunday school wing, or the funds that go. Uh, to go on the radio, or, or be it any other thing that we are praying. But he goes on to say, but if we want our church to truly be the church, the things that Paul prayed for here are vastly more important. So keeping that in mind, I'd like us to come back to chapter 1, verse 15, as I read up to verse 20. For this reason, Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love Lord all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of that which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. God's God's word be blessed. Let me just put this in context, all right? So we just read the chapter, uh, uh, the prayer in that chapter. Uh, We don't have time to look at the chapter, but if you were to look at the chapter itself, after a brief greeting right at the beginning, uh, Paul uh, goes on to do two things so this chapter can be divided into two things one is privilege and the second is petition of prayer one is privilege from verses three to verse 14 he's talking about the privileges that you have in Jesus Christ now I'd like to give you homework all right in these 11 verses there are 12 things that he lists that you have received in Jesus Christ so I want you to go back and I want you to do one thing when you read that passage from chapter three—sorry, chapter one, verse three to verse fourteen. This is what I like you to do, all right? I like you to wear your socks while you're reading this, so you have to ask me why. Okay, because I want you to be blown out of your socks when you read this, all right? Because this is just like the amazing thing—the privileges that we have in Jesus Christ, what we have already received. And then he talks about the prayer of the things that he says that he would receive from Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to understand when he says that. You see, because verse 3, somebody can read for me verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. thank you brother, but who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Hey listen, what have you got? You've got every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So what is Paul saying? Give me more? No, no, no. He's not saying give me more. He's saying listen, we've got all this but we have no idea what we've got. What Paul is saying, listen brothers and sisters, listen. You don't even know. You have no idea. And he is praying that we get an idea as to what we've we have in Jesus Christ. I'm not sure how many of you know what this is. Honestly, even I don't know, but I got very excited when I bought this a couple of years ago. It's a multi-tool, right? It's a multi-tool. I was actually looking for a Swiss knife because that's an obvious thing, and the only time that I've used it is as a plier. But it's got other things. you know. It's got a, it's got a serrated knife, like a saw. It's got a can opener, it's got a screwdriver, uh, another type of a can opener, I think that is. I don't even know. Uh, there's a knife, there's a file, and there are certain things I can't even get to. But the point is this. This represents us as a Christian. We got so much, brothers and sisters, but yet we don't know what we have in Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying there's in this prayer what he's saying is so that we will get to know who we are. I was reading about um, the Canadian Pacific a railroad that was being laid uh, in the 1850s or 1860s, I forget the year exactly, but they were trying to lay this track between Medicine Hat and Calgary. And it was going through an Indian reserve. And in the night, after the tracks would be laid during the day, in the night, the Indians would come and take it away. And, uh, and then they would lay it again and take it away again. And this was going on and on. And so finally, they, they had this negotiation with Chief uh, Crowf- Foot, And because of him, this track was laid, and the train was able to run from Medicine Hat to Calgary. And so the Canadian Pacific, because of gratitude, they offered him a lifetime pass to ride this train. You can read this on Wikipedia, and there are some other details some other places, but this has not been made up. What he does see, he, he frames that pass into a leather pouch, wears it around his neck for the rest of his life, never got on the train. He had the privilege, but never used it. I wonder if we are that. Well, I don't know if it happens in your, in your household, it happens in my household, in the Roberts residence. We open this fridge and it's stacked with food and the question we ask is, what's there to eat? I think sometimes as Christians we are that. And so Paul prays, I, I, that is why I want you to notice this, this immense, you know, this word crunch that he does in this prayer. And I want to unpack it for us. So in Paul's request, in verse 17, first he has these two titles. It talks about the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory. These two titles don't appear anywhere else. This is the only place it appears the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory. And I think about this and it's like, what is Paul trying to do? He's trying to, he's just like cramming up so much because of the inability of the language, inability of the language, sorry. And so, uh, he's putting these two things. And what I sense from this is one is this uniqueness. And so the one who answers this prayer is, is the unique one. He is the, he's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory. But I love this thing of God and the Father coming together. There's something about this relationship. He is God and Father who answers our prayers. And it's to him this prayer has been addressed. Alright, so so we see the address, but then you see then the two requests, two requests in verse seventeen, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you, he says, one is a spirit of wisdom of revelation and the knowledge of Him, and second having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And the second is that the Uh, uh, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Two requests. Warren Wiersbe says that this is the double request that's required because we receive from the Spirit of God the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The more we study about Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God gives us this increasing wisdom and revelation. And second, not just that it's coming from the Spirit of God, but it's coming to the believer's heart. This believer's heart also needs to be quickened. Let me read to you two verses. First Corinthians chapter two verse 11, uh, talks about that the spirit of God needs to reveal it to me. First Corinthians chapter two verse 11. "For who knows a person's thought except the spirit?" of the person which is in him so also no one comprehends the thoughts of god except the spirit of god then two verses down in verse 14 it talks about the fact that our spirit must be quickened but the natural man receives not the spirit of the uh, things of the spirit of god they are foolishness to him and neither can he know them because they are spiritually dis- discerned the spirit speaking to us, and this heart being able to receive it. Let me explain. Where do you guys go? All right, okay. No, that's supposed to be a joke. Come on. I took my glasses off. All right. Okay, I'm starting, with, I'm starting to prove a point here, right? So somebody, somebody says, okay, this is the English Bible. Can you read it? And I'll say, yeah, English, I can read it. So I'll look at that, and I'm like, I, I, I can't read it. No, I can't. So what's happening is not just my ability to read, but also the capacity to read. You see, the comprehension itself, no, but also my eyes need to be enlightened. And so that's what Paul is saying, that the Spirit of God, who would give us the knowledge, uh, the wisdom, and the revelation of the knowledge of him, would also enlighten my heart to be able to understand what he has for us and so i need both and that is what paul is saying i i think about zedekiah do you know who zedekiah is he's a guy sitting next to you no no zedekiah is the zedekiah is the last king of judah do you know his story the last king of judah now he's been taken as an exile to where to Babylon. Now, what happened in Babylon? What, what's Babylon known for? The seven wonders. What is it known for? The hanging gardens of Babylon, all right? So everybody who goes to Babylon, when they come back, just as you would ask Geo, hey, did you see this or see that or whatever, right? You go to a place, you want to see what you've seen. And so they would ask uh, anybody going to Babylon, have you seen the hanging gardens, all right? So Zedekiah is now taken to uh, Babylon. He lives there many years, but he's not able to see the hanging gardens because his eyes have been taken out. That's what they did. So it didn't matter that he was in Babylon, but he was not able to see the glories of Babylon. And oftentimes I think that our, we are, we, we, our eyes have become feeble. Our eyes are caught up in the, in the immediate... Our eyes are, are, are dimmed because of the storms and all of those that we go that we are not even able to look beyond to see the greatness of the riches of the glories that we have in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying, oh, that we would have the spirit of the wisdom of the revelation of the knowledge of him. And the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Two things. Two things. And these two things are going to lead to three things. It will result in three things. So what Paul is praying is so that we would have the spirit and the enlightened heart. But this is going to lead to three things. All right? So walk with me the rest of the prayer and the three results so that it's easy for you to remember is the purpose the prize and the power the purpose the prize and the power okay the the why the what and the how we'll we'll look at that all right because uh, the why why has all this been given we read in verse 18 the hope of his calling we'll look at that And the price, what's the end goal? Why has this been given? So that we would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And the question, how? How is it that we would know that this would be accomplished? In verse 19, that the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. I know it's like a lot of words, but we'll unpack this one by one. So first let's look at the purpose so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you would know what is the hope of his calling. I, you know, this is another time to wear socks. Just to be blown, right? So the the fact that hope of his calling. When you think about it, it, it connects my past with the future the calling of the past the the fact that god called me made me his own and made you his own the fact that he's called me is giving me a hope for the future the hope of my calling like today what i've what i've received in the past there's something about it that explains my today that keeps my hope on the future it's not done this is just the beginning Because if my best life is here, my best life, this is who I am as a Christian. If this is all it is, then I ask the question, what about all the creation? What about all this calling? What about the cost of the cross? This is not just it. This is not just it. That's the lie of the devil that God has maxed out on his credit card. That he has given you everything in the spiritual blessings. He's given it all. Now you got it all and that's it. No. No. I, I wrote this uh, reverse quote. I'm not sure if you, if a, a reverse quote is you just change it around somebody else's quote. You put it, make it your own by making it a reverse quote. So I, this is what I did with Jim Elliot's quote. He says, he is a fool. Stick with me. He is a fool who keeps what he cannot keep to lose what he cannot lose. He is a fool who keeps what he cannot keep, like I want to hold on to the things for today, like just hold on, knowing that I cannot keep it, and I'm losing what I have in the future, the things that I couldn't have lost. My eyes are so fixed on today, but this hope constrains us to continue. Hope stimulates our efforts. Hope calms our sorrows. Hope takes away the fascination from temptation. What it means is this, right? Staring at my face is this temptation. Whatever your temptation be, it's staring at you, but because I have this hope of the calling, I see that this is so much better than this fascination to this temptation. This hope of my calling just compels me to go past that. It convinces me Of the things of the future. Let me give to you two verses from Ephesians about what is yet to be. So, someone can read for me Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and someone else can turn for me, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. So Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. If somebody can turn to that, Ephesians 2, 6 and 7, while someone else is turning to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. In the ages to come, don't forget that, in the ages to come, that he may display the surpassing riches of his grace demonstrated by his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We, what, what's still yet to happen is just this display of surpassing riches of his grace. With our eyes being a little more able to see the truth. Read for me Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 to 11, please. Did you get that? That through the church, God's manifold wisdom would be displayed. Earlier, Paul says about in his eternal purposes, this was, this was laid out, and, out here. And then he says in eternity, this is what he's going to do. This church that was in God's mind before is the one that's going to be displayed in his manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. You know, it's like, you know, you go to this buffet, you pile up your plate. Like you can't go back again, you know, that kind of a thing. They were talking about what is this, uh, it's called the stadium sandwich. I don't know what, the, uh, today is the uh, Super Bowl, and they have the Super Bowl um, table. The, 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 it's just like the amount of food that's laid out that's made to look like a stadium, the food stadium. That's the idea that the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed. I know Mark is excited when I talk about this, but I want you to notice this. That this is neither the privilege of the mighty angels, nor of the massive stars he knows by face. This is the blessing of the poorest saint saved by grace. Your blessing in Christ Jesus. I look at this it's like we have, there's nothing we deserve to get this. But that we should be the recipients where God will put us on display that the manifold wisdom of God would be evidenced for, the, for those rulers and authorities in heavenly places. It's not that we have not hoped, this hope of calling, it's not that we haven't hoped it's just that we have hoped in two little things, small things. You know, we, we don't extend ourselves. In olden times, I'm told that the ships that didn't have a compass, during the time when they didn't have a compass, would sail very close to the shore, you know, hug into the shore. They, they wouldn't go too far so that they wouldn't be lost. While the ocean lay ahead of them of joy and exploration, And so I love the phrase in Luke chapter 5 where the Lord says, launch out into the deep. That's the hope of the calling. That's what hope gives me. That God is with me. Enough of the mediocrity. And so we have this of the What, but the why in verse 18 again, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Not just that we have an inheritance in him. We already read that in verse 11. We've done with that, that we have an inheritance in God. But now God is saying that he has an inheritance in us. That he has, that Jesus has purchased you with his blood so that we are his Inheritance. See the the, the value the, the the value of something determines the price, isn't it? The price that you're willing to pay shows the value that you have for that product. Well, I don't know if among us there is any um, anti-apple. Uh, Lobbies you know lurking around here, but I thought I have my phone here, but I don't have an apple phone. that's all right, but let's say this is an Apple phone, all right? Okay, this is an Apple phone. Why do Why are people willing to pay a premium for this product? Because they think that there is this value attached to it, and while those who who recognize the value and pay the price for this, there are others. Who make fun of the ones who pay a hundred percent premium for that phone? That happens in the heavenly realm. Look at yourself. Look at me. The Christ would pay the ultimate price. So the value that He puts in you is immeasurable. That He would call you His inheritance. You, sister. You, brother. Untold riches, you, you couldn't even put a value to it. While the whole world is, is mocking and ridiculing, there's this lie of the devil that will tell you, listen, don't let anybody fool you that you're not worth that much. You're not worth that much. Don't believe the Bible that Jesus God actually gave that price. That's a lie he will try and scream in your, uh, in your ears. But I want you to know that we are his inheritance purchased by his blood that we will recognize that that Jesus pays the price so that we can be his prize in James chapter 1 verse 18 the unmerited um, there is a phrase which says in James chapter 1 verse 18 which says that we are the richest um, if somebody can turn to that that would be better um, saying out of I might just say it out of context. James chapter one, verse eighteen. I think it says his prized possession. Can somebody read that for me? James one eighteen. All right, another translation that says his prized possession. F. of Bruce has this to say that God should set such high value on a community of sinners rescued from perdition and still bearing too many traces of their former state might well seem incredible were it not made clear that he sees them in Christ as from the beginning he chose them in Christ. What Bruce is trying to say in English is this. It doesn't feel like look at yourself, look at me. It feels like we're the weak, the foolish, right? The poor of the world, and it doesn't seem like we've got the riches of the world, of the heavenly places, uh, of all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But what it is is because this reality often becomes so true for us that we forget the what it is that He would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation of the knowledge of him that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Come with me to the third part which is the power, verse 19. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Paul is just like piling up these words. Paul is saying, listen, I, I've got so much to say, but this English. Really? It should have been, I don't know, uh, you know, some other language would have been better or something, I don't know. But the limitation of the language, the limitation of this language. And um, he says, uh, Calvin has this to say, we never form adequate conceptions of the treasure of the gospel, for if we do, we can't persuade ourselves that these pertain to us because they are so far from what we experience. We don't think this power that is given to us is enough in some way because it feels like the reality is something else. We're starting to see with our eyes rather than with the eyes of our heart that are to be enlightened. And that is what Paul is trying to distinguish. We often see with these physical eyes. Because when you see with your physical eyes, my state is not the healthiest. You, your financial state or your storms or whatever, its no, whatever it be, it's not what it ought to. And Paul is saying, let's have the eyes of our heart being enlightened to be able to see the truth. The power that is working in us. And the power that is available to us is what? If somebody can read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21... Would you read 20, please? 20 is what I'd like you to read too. That he in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. The, heavenly the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him on, on the right hand of, in majesty is the power that is available to you today for now, in the present. You see, in creation, it took a word. In salvation, it's the power that saved us. In the present, it's the power that sustains us. And in the future, let me let me read to you Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which t- talks about the power for today. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, that is right now, today, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Not just the power that saved us, not just the power that sustains us, but the power that makes us stand before him. If somebody would read for me Jude chapter 24 and 25. Jude 24 and 25. Jude twenty four twenty-five. Go ahead. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, in glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to him is who we came to worship and remember today. The power, not just in salvation and we we'll let go, but that sustains you today and one day will present you holy before him. So the question I ask is, so what, right? I mean, that's important. Let me just quickly do a summary so that you haven't forgotten. What Paul does is prays for two things. What are the two things that he prays for? Well, the Spirit... And the eyes of your heart be enlightened. With the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. What are the three things that would result in that? Give me the three P's, so at least you would remember that. Purpose, prize, prize and power. Right? And what's the purpose? What's the verse we looked at? The hope of his calling. The second is the prize, that we, the glories of his riches, uh, the riches of his glory, sorry, the riches of his glory and the inheritance of his saints. And the third is the power, which is the power that, how does it go? That raised him from the dead, right? Um, and, And so the question that, I ask myself, as a church, as we wind this down as we are coming together to pray, that we would pray that that one that spurred paul's prayer, this upward relationship of trust and the outward relationship of love, trust and love would be true for us, and that when you call up your Brother and your sister, I hope you do that, and no, no compulsion, but that you would do that because you are gripped by this need to grow in the Lord. That you would say, "Look, I, look I, I want our church to grow, to mature, so that so that the that we would have the spirit of the wisdom and knowledge through the revelation of Him, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened." so that we would know the hope of his calling and that we would know the riches of his glory and the inheritance of his saints and the power that, uh, what, uh, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now this would be true of us. That this, we as a community who have come together will experience this riches this, this this surpassing greatness of who God is in our lives and so that he alone is glorified in our midst Father we thank you for your word we thank you Lord that that you have supplied more than we can take in our cup is pressed down, shaken, shaken, pressed down, and, and overflowing. We don't want to be mediocre Christians. We don't want to be hungry Christians. We don't want to be like, oh, I'm just getting along. Like, how are you doing? Oh, just pulling along. No, Lord. Our language is not uh, indicative of who you are in our lives. And we pray that we're not just saying things for the sake of saying, but that we will experience it just like Paul said, that we will pray that we would we would receive, that God would grant to us the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory would give to us the spirit of the knowledge and revelation uh, of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him and that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know that this would be our testimony. This would be our story and that you would be glorified in our midst in Jesus Christ, our Lord's name, amen.